let's give Jesus a wonderful shout, praise. Amen. You may be seated. Let's thank our musicians and singers as well. What a blessing. What a blessing this morning. Do you know, because his love surrounds us, we sang about that, because his love surrounds us, we have no reason to fear. He takes care of every fear. Sometimes we can feel afraid. I don't know about you. Get a little bit afraid. Some straying thoughts can cause you to feel afraid. But as we've sung, even with all of those thoughts sometimes that try to prey upon us about our past, about our future, about our present, because of his love surrounding us, he takes care of all our fears. It's a wonderful verse in Isaiah <clears throat> where Isaiah speaks to God's people on God's behalf. And he says this to a large group of people that were really afraid. He comes out strong and he says, Fear not, says the Lord, for I am with you. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. When you pass through the waters, you've read it, you pass through the waters, you shall not be drowned. I'm with you, says the Lord. There's no reason to fear. I'll take care of the flame and the fire that tries to burn you, whatever that might be, whatever tries to come against you, tries to destroy you, because I am with you. You don't have to be afraid of that fire, of the fury of the, of the flame, because I'll protect you. It's not going to burn you. Others might fall as a result of the flame and the fire, but you'll not be burned. You'll pass through it unharmed. I'm with you. No reason to fear because I'm with you. You pass through the waters. You're not going to drown. You're not going to go under. The flame talks about perishing, about reducing everything of substance to a place of ash. The water talks about going under. God isn't going to let you go under irrespective of the circumstances around you. You'll pass through that water and you'll, you'll come through unhurt and unharmed by it because he's with you. Now, it might not always seem as if he's with you. Your feelings might say contrary to that. But be assured all of the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. No need to fear. No need to be afraid. Irrespective of how you feel, God is with you. Trust him, believe him, be encouraged today in your heart. You're not going to get burned. Your life is not going to get reduced to a pile of ash. No chance. God's with you. He's for you. Who can be against you? And you're, not, you're certainly not going to go under because he's the lifter of your head. That's what Isaiah was saying to God's people. And as they believed that, as they 
placed their faith in that in the midst of contrary circumstance, they always came through. They really did. It's an encouraging word to us. Well, last week, we started this new series of messages titled, Making a Choice or Make the Choice to Rejoice. And um, we looked at Habakkuk, that incredible prophet in the Old Testament. Habakkuk was faced with the scene of devastation. You talk about negative circumstance. You talk about being in the middle of a crisis. Everything around Habakkuk that had been so fruitful, everything around him that had thrived under God's blessing was falling down before his eyes. It was perishing. And the wonderful prosperity that God had given to his people was being destroyed by an invading force from Babylon. A horde of Babylonian soldiers were, were heading towards them and destroying everything in front of them. All of everything that sustained them, their crops and everything that they relied on and took for granted was being taken away from them. And yet in the face of it all, in the face of all of this negativity, in the face of all of this immense change, Habakkuk comes out strong. He said, yet in spite of all of these circumstances around me, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength, he says. He gets a revelation of who's with him. He gets a revelation that God has not left him. Irrespective of what's in front of him, irrespective of what's surrounding him, he gets a personal revelation that God has not given up on him or given up on his people. He's with them, he's for them, and he's, he's by their side. Irrespective of all of the externals, he's secure in his standing and in his place in God. And he sees this wonderful picture, we looked at it, of that little deer scaling the unscalable heights of the mountains before it, scaling and being sure-footed in uncertain terrain. And Habakkuk believes God as he sees that little deer scaling what seems to be unscalable and towering and overshadowing it. He says, I want to be like that. You will give me, he says to the Lord, you will give me feet like that deer to ascend the heights to scale the unscalable, to conquer the mountains before me that overshadow me. And in that place where he made a choice to rejoice, he knew that God was going to transform his life and his situation and everything about him. And he was going to be triumphant in the end and victorious in all that God had called him to do. Now I really do believe, as we get into this this morning, that the Holy Spirit, this is a word from the Holy Spirit to, to, to our hearts as a church. Whether we're here this morning in, in this auditorium or we're watching online, this is a word from the Holy Spirit to our hearts to make a choice to rejoice in the Lord. You know, I had, I had decided to speak 
a, a different series of messages last week and through this week. And um, I don't know if you've ever had this, but I was, I just had no rest. I had no rest to go with what I had studied, with the word that I was going to bring to you. And man, you know, it's a difficult place to be at. You, you, you're using all your time to ready yourself, to prepare yourself best you can to bring God's word to God's people. And, you know, everything you've got is good and it's right, maybe for another time, but it's not right for this time. And I was at rest inside. And I said to the Holy Spirit, I, I said, Holy Spirit, you have got to help me. Please, please help. And you know, as I was walking across the kitchen on the Wednesday before the Sunday, that little phrase just come up out of my spirit. I heard it like a little whisper. Make the choice to rejoice. Make the choice to rejoice. God wants to encourage you this morning. Because you've been making this choice to rejoice, possibly for the last 12 months, possibly for the last 18 months. Things have been difficult. Things have been hard. Changes have occurred that you have not understood, may have left you a little confused, may have left you a lot confused. And the Holy Spirit wants to encourage you this morning. Keep making that choice to rejoice. Keep making that choice to give him praise in the midst of all of the despairing circumstances that are around you, just like Habakkuk, in spite of it all. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I will joy in the God of my salvation, irrespective of how I feel, irrespective of the thoughts that are going through my mind irrespective of what's happening in my world, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord is my strength. And you'll see his transforming power. You really will. You know, I was just mentioning earlier in the, in the first service about a time in, in my life, and, and I remember it because... It was, it was quite a prolonged period. Many years ago now, I remember getting up every Sunday morning and my first waking thought before coming to church was, oh my God, it's Sunday. I don't want to go to church today. Every Sunday, probably for about 12 months. That happened week in, week out, week in, week out. Has anybody else ever had that? Or am I the only one? We've all had it. Oh, God, it's been a really difficult week. I've made some decisions and some choices that I shouldn't have made. And uh, I don't feel, I don't feel worthy to go to church this morning. I don't feel worthy to sing those songs. I just, I, I'd rather pull the covers over my head and go back to sleep. I, I was having that week in, week out. And I, I'd get up, I'd manage to get up and go through it and get to church. And I always remember something would happen when I came into the company of God's people. Something would take place. You get around God's people. You get around the message of, of, of the Word of God preached. And it ignites a faith in your heart and you, you sing and you're, you, you're encouraged by one another. 
and you share with one. And suddenly it had lift and I'd go out into another week stronger and ready for Monday. And then I'd get to Sunday and it'd be the same old story. I'd wake up, oh God, it's been a worse week this week than last week. And I feel like even a bigger failure. Some of the things I've said, oh my goodness, some of the things that I've done, oh no, Lord. And even just some of the things that I've thought and the attitudes that I've held in my heart, I certainly don't think. And I feel like this big mountain in front of me. I just can't get through this. And then one day, one day, I thought, now I should have done this at the beginning. I thought, do you know what? I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to help me. See, Jesus said that he will send the Holy Spirit to help you. He will talk to you like Faith said. He, he has a conversation with us, doesn't he? He'll talk to you and I. And I said, Holy Spirit, this has been going on far too long now. Every Sunday morning, I get up. I don't want to go to church. I, I, I feel awful. I feel bad, I feel guilty, I feel sinful, I feel messed up, I, I'm not making, I can't, I can't, I said, please give me the answer, and this is, or give me guidance, I said, please give me guidance and help and counsel, Jesus, Jesus said he's a counselor, when we're confused, the counselor comes along, come on, come on, right, so the counselor whispered in my ear, this is what he said, right, and it changed everything, Dave, when everything feels wrong, keep doing what you know is right. When everything feels wrong, keep doing what you know is right. I felt it was all wrong to come to church. I felt it was all wrong to meet with the people of God after the horrid week that I'd had, but I knew that it was right. Even though it felt wrong, I knew that it was the right thing to do. And I'd come in disheveled. I'd come in defeated. I'd come in feeling guilty. I'd come in feeling all manner of things. But by the end of it, by the end of it, I'd go out strong and, and empowered to go into another week. And do you know, that was a season. It was a prolonged season in my life. Just keep doing what you know is right, even when you feel it's, even when you think it's wrong, even when it feels wrong. I did that. I came out of that season and it helped me. It helped me go then through other seasons and negotiate other hurdles. Say that to say this. Irrespective of how we feel, irrespective of what we think, when we make a choice to rejoice, things change, things happen, transformation takes place in our lives. Now, today, we're going to look at Psalm 34. A psalm where David reveals his heart and his attitude for God in the midst of huge changes, in the midst of very real pressing circumstances, in the midst where seasons are shifting dramatically for this young man. David in Psalm 34 declares his praises to God in some of the most darkest moments of his life. Listen to 
Psalm 34. We're just going to read three verses. David comes out with a bold declaration in relation to his attitude to God, his heart to the Lord, and also a declaration whereby he declares clearly how he's going to live his life in the midst of all of the circumstances around him that are changing. Psalm 34 verse 1 to verse 3 says this, words we know well, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually or shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear of it and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. These words that David sang are timeless words for us as we read them because they reveal David's heart to stay strong in the midst of circumstances that were ever-changing about him. In the midst of the storms of life that come, David stood strong in his praises and in his desire to serve God. David sings his praise to the Lord in this psalm, irrespective of all of the circumstances that were around him. All of the circumstances that wanted to throw him off course in his walk with God, David had made a strong decision and a conviction of heart, irrespective of what happens in my life, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. It would have been enough for David to say, I will bless the Lord. His praise will be in my mouth. But no, David takes it far further than just that. He said, not only will I bless the Lord, but I'll bless the Lord at all times. Irrespective of what time it is in my life, whether it's a high time or a low time, a great time or a dark time, I have determined in my heart that at all times I will bless the Lord. I'm never going to lose that connection with my God like Paul said. I'm keeping that connection irrespective of the circumstances that try to beset me. I am going to bless the Lord at all times. And not only is his praise going to be in my mouth, it's going to continually be in my mouth. I'm not going to allow circumstance to change the confession that's in my heart. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to lift my voice up to God whether circumstance is favorable or not. At all times, I will bless him. And continually, I will praise him in every season, no matter what sudden changes come. This is what I have decided. This is what David is saying. He made a choice to rejoice in the Lord. This psalm, Psalm 34, was written by David, sung by David. That's no great surprise to us because David wrote over 150 psalms. It's no surprise that David wrote this psalm. There's nothing unusual about that. 
But what is unusual and unique about this psalm, Psalm 34, is when David wrote it. Knowing when David wrote this psalm, knowing when David sung this psalm, is really the key and the secret to seeing the power of this picture, seeing the, the, the power of this praise in his heart to God. When we listen to the opening words of David's praise to God, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. It would be easy to think that David sang this psalm when everything was going well, when life was thriving, when he was victorious, when he was strong and triumphant. Because when you read this psalm, as we have read it, you, you get a very kind of positive feeling from it. It's written very positively. When we listen to it and when we read it. And therefore, because of that, it would be easy for us to think that David wrote it and sung it when everything was going well. Maybe when he slew Goliath. Remember that time when Goliath would come out onto the field of battle and it was a stalemate between Israel and the Philistines. And they'd drawn up battle lines and every day Goliath would come out and strut in front of the Israelites and challenge them face to face to send out their champion. And in 1 Samuel chapter 17, we see that every single day as they were challenged, the people of God hid away in fear. For 40 days, for 40 days, Goliath came out on the field of battle and strutted back and forth, defying the armies of God to send out their warrior. And they were cowering away in fear. You read it, 1 Samuel 17, it says that Saul, the king, was terrified terrified as to what was going to happen. They'd lost all confidence in their ability to deal with this giant. They'd lost all confidence and trust in God. They thought God had forgotten them. God had left them. God couldn't deal with this circumstance. It was far bigger than them, and therefore if it was bigger than them, it must be bigger than God. Part of our problem sometimes is that we have very big thoughts about ourselves and very small thoughts about God. And that was their problem. Big thoughts about themselves, small thoughts about God. And when the problem came around and faced them in that person of Goliath, they had no confidence in God. But young shepherd boy... He didn't have any big ideas about himself. He was a shepherd, but he had big, he had big thoughts about God. He had, he had small thoughts about himself. He was a humble young man. Not favored in his family, 
not really favored in the nation, small thoughts about himself, big thoughts about God. When he stepped out in front of Goliath, that one who had no covenant with God and who was defying the armies of Israel, he took a little stone and he said, you have no covenant with God, you're uncircumcised and you're going down. You've defied the Lord. And, and Goliath said, I'm going to rip you apart and feed you to the birds. In moments, a stone was slung from David's sling. It took Goliath down. David didn't get fed to the birds. He cut the giant's head off with his own sword. I tell you now, that's the victory. That's the, that's the inheritance of which we are a part. That's the confidence that you and I can have in the God that says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Fear not. Fear not. I'm with you. David walked through his fire. David passed through the waters. He didn't get burned and he didn't go under. Suddenly there's huge victory in the camp. This huge victory in the nation of Israel. And suddenly David's got national hero status. Thousands of men and women are singing David's praise. And they're singing things like this. And it's all recorded in the word of God. Saul has killed his thousands. But young David here, the shepherd boy, that's still wet behind the ears. He's killed his tens of thousands. Now, you would have thought in a moment like that of great praise, of great triumph, of great victory, you would have thought that in a moment like that, that's when a psalm like Psalm 34 would have been sung. I will bless the Lord at all times. He's given me victory over the giant. His praise will continually be in my mouth. I've been exalted to hero-like status in this nation. This is a time to praise God. This is a time to bless God. But this wasn't the time. This wasn't the time when David wrote this psalm. Commenters and theologians and translators tell us that this psalm wasn't written, this song wasn't sung in a place and a time where there was great victory, where there was great triumph. Instead, they tell us that this psalm was actually sung in a place of great darkness, in a place of great confusion. It was sung some 24 months after David's victory over Goliath. His victory and his triumph had long since been forgotten. And now the circumstances of David's life were very, very different. He wasn't the rising star in Israel. He was the falling star. He wasn't the national hero anymore. He was an outlaw and labeled as a common criminal because King Saul when he heard the voices of his people giving thanks to God for David, became furiously jealous. And suddenly, 
He went on a rampage to destroy David, the one that loved the king, the one that wanted to help the nation, the one that did deliver the nation from this aggressive giant. And he banished David from his kingdom. And David had to run for his life. And he goes into the wilderness. And every single day, day after day, Saul is hunting him with his army. Because all of these crazy thoughts and all of these crazy sus suspicions that Saul has in his mind are fueling him to destroy this young shepherd boy. David's unable to settle anywhere. He's unable to get any consistency in his life. The days of being that great hero had long gone. You talk about feelings. You talk about wanting to give up. You talk about turning your back on God, questioning God. But there's none of that in this young man. This song wasn't sung in a moment of great victory. When everything was going well, when life was on the up, when the king and the nation were behind him. No, this song was born in a dark time where there was no stability in David's life, where there was crisis, where there was pain, where there was great confusion. David was running from King Saul the king that he loved, the king that he served. And there came a moment in that 24-month period where Saul nearly captured David. And David feared for his life. So what he did was he entered into the land, the territory of the Philistines. The very army that he defeated he thought that he might ally himself with. He goes into the territory of the Philistines and he runs to a city called Gath. And if you know your Bible, Gath was the city, the home city of Goliath, the very giant that he had killed some 24 months before. And he goes to Gath. And he feigns madness, the Bible says. He goes before, he's brought before King Ambimelech because he just wants to get out of the, the presence of Saul. He just needs to get some relief and, and a place where he can live safely. And he goes before Ambimelech. But David senses all around him that everybody is suspicious of his arrival. Of course they are. He's David, the, the great warrior who's killed and taken out Goliath. And David picks up on it. And Ambimelech refuses to take David in. And David narrowly, narrowly escapes with his life. They were going to kill him when he entered into the, the, the land of the Philistines. But that was how this young man despaired. That's the lengths that he went to. That's how hot the trial got. As to go to the land of the enemy. To try and seek refuge. He leaves Gath. And he goes to a cave. 
the cave of Adullam. Adullam's cave. It's amazing when we went to Israel a few years ago with Paul, we were on the bus. And um, it was amazing because we went to all of these different sites in Israel. And Paul would not only give us a tour, but like just explain and teach the Bible at every point and every scene that we would go to. And as we were passing through the wilderness, is it the wilderness of Zin? Wilderness of Zin, I think. As we were passing through the wilderness of Zin, Paul, I think we stopped the bus. He said, up on the left, there's a cave, Adullam's cave. That's the cave where David and his men sought refuge. Now, if you look at the surroundings around that cave, it was barren. It was desolate. There wasn't any water source. There wasn't any, any life source. It was completely arid. And you look and you see the heat, the extreme cold at night, the searing heat of the day. And you think, how can anybody live in such circumstances? How can anybody exist amidst this? But it was in that cave, the cave of Adullam, where David sang this song, where David wrote these words right there in the crisis, in the darkness of a cave, in the hiddenness of that place. He sang his praise to God, not in a palace when everything was going well, but forgotten and abandoned and isolated and alone with his men in that cave, he sang these words, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise will continually be in my mouth. Here in this cave, irrespective of what's happening around me, having been rejected by Saul, abandoned and rejected by Ambimelech, I will still praise my God and bless his name because he has not abandoned me. It's a place of emptiness, a place of aloneness, but from this place, his praises come forth to God. David doesn't try to strike a deal with God here. Well, if you, if you get me out of this situation, if you deliver me, if you if you lead me to a more fruitful place than this barren, hidden cave, then I'll bless you. Then I'll praise you. No, right in the midst of it, right in the center of all of those circumstances that were around him, he chooses to bless God at all times. Now, I remember talking to my mom many years ago and she told me about some really harrowing circumstances that had really tried to beset her. And it was a prolonged period of trials and attacks and various circumstances that the enemy were, was really trying to intimidate and impress her, oppress her with. And there was a day, she said, Dave, she said, one morning I, I woke up and she said, I felt vulnerable. I felt really weak. 
in myself. And she said, it was right there. That's when the enemy came, when I felt at my weakest. You see, the enemy chooses or he looks for an opportune moment. And he, he will wait weeks and months to get a moment where it's his opportune time to strike. And circumstance after circumstance had tried to beset her. And it was all converging on this one moment. And the enemy spoke to her in her heart and said this. He said, curse God. That's all that he wanted her to do. To curse God because of his circumstances, because of things that confused her, because of things that were out of control that she could no longer control. Curse God, the enemy said. And my mother said one word, no. That's it. No. Everything that the enemy did, month after month after month, week after week after week, was focused on that one moment. He wanted a yes, she said no. And days after, just days after, all of that oppression and all of those stormy circumstances lifted and change come. Change came. What is that? That's making a choice to rejoice. When when it's dark, when it's difficult, when things don't go your way, it's making a choice to rejoice in the midst of that cave-like experience that's tried to isolate you. We're coming to a close right now. David goes on. Because not only is he going to bless the Lord at all times, not only is the, the praises of God going to continually be in his mouth, he says, my soul shall make its boast in the Lord. He's not going to allow circumstance to control him. He begins to celebrate God. That's what it means to boast in the Lord. It means to celebrate. It means to rejoice. And his soul, his feelings, he pulls in line and he begins to boast in God even amidst that barren circumstance. David's men could have been thinking, but David, how can you praise God? How can you bless the Lord? How can you boast in Him when all, with all of these circumstances around you? But David had made his decision. And then, on from there, he says, I will magnify the Lord. Oh, magnify the Lord, he says, with me. And let us exalt his name together. David knew that whatever you magnify, that is what you exalt. And he wasn't going um, to magnify any fear. He wasn't going to magnify any circumstance. He wasn't going to magnify any work of the enemy. He had made a decision to magnify the Lord. And the Lord was going to be exalted as he magnified him in that, in that situation. Can I ask the band to come, musicians to come?
as we close today. What we learn from David and Habakkuk is that circumstances do not have to control our choices. Circumstances may not be what we want them to be. They're often not. But circumstance does not have to control our choices. Irrespective of all of the varying circumstances and the crises that Habakkuk was in, he said, irrespective of that, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, the God of my salvation. What is that? That's a man that's making a choice to rejoice irrespective of circumstance. That's a man that understands that circumstance does not control his choice to rejoice. David the same. He knew that circumstance had no power to control his choice, the choice that he would make to praise God irrespective of what was happening in his life. We can make a choice to rejoice even when circumstance seems wrong, even when everything seems to be not in our favor. We can make that choice to rejoice in God. And what we see from these two men's lives, as we would see through many people's lives who believed God in the Word of God, what we see from these two men's lives is that when they made a choice to rejoice, God made the change. If you make the choice, God will make the change. He really will. You look at Habakkuk, and he saw the transforming power of God come on his life so that he could scale the unscalable heights of what towered over him. You look at David, he didn't stay in that cave. After a period of time, after a season, the Lord ensured that he be in his rightful place, which was to be king of Israel. And also what we see from them, from these two men in particular, is that praise makes God the center, not circumstance. Circumstance very often wants to distract us. Circumstance very often wants to corner us and be the controlling element. But no, in these men's lives and in our lives too, let's see that praise centers God, not circumstance. Circumstance is not God. No. The Lord is our God. And we choose to bless Him. We choose to praise Him. We choose to boast in Him. We choose to magnify and exalt Him in the midst of all of the variances of life. Amen. Let me just give you these two last scriptures just to encourage you. And then we're going to sing. And bless him. Psalm 56 verse 3 to verse 4 says this. But when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Sometimes we're all afraid. We all feel 
those very real fears that press in upon us. But in those times, like David said, we place our trust in him. And somehow, as we refocus our minds and our hearts on his word and on his promises, we suddenly realize that fear has no place in our lives. There's no reason to fear. Then finally, 2 Corinthians 2 verse 14, and we read this last week. Let me give it to you. It's a wonderful verse that we take and go into life with. Now thanks be unto God, Paul says, who always causes us to triumph in Christ Jesus. He doesn't just sometimes cause us to triumph. He always causes us, you and I, to triumph in Christ Jesus. You're going to come through strong. You really are. Circumstances will change. The storm will pass. And we will triumph in Christ Jesus. And when we look back, we will see that he has caused all of the circumstances and all of the elements that were designed to break us, to make us victorious and conquerors in him. Amen. Amen. Lord Jesus, I thank you for your precious, precious people. I thank you for their spirit. I thank you in season and out of season, whether it's good or whether it's bad, whether it's a great day or a hard day. Lord, their voice of praise is unbroken to you. Lord, I thank you for the, the thankful heart that you've given us. I thank you, Father, that even when we, we feel as if life has beaten us up, we get up on our feet and there's a heart inside us that gives you praise. I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice, whether they're in this building or whether they're watching online. Holy Spirit, as we make a choice to rejoice, as we follow your simple word of instruction, of encouragement and help to us, as we make that choice to rejoice and sing our praise and offer our thanks, we thank you that we are going to see wonderful change and wonderful transformation and that wonderful deep connection of fellowship that we have with you. We will know and your very joy will be our strength. Father, I thank you, Holy Spirit, for your guidance your help, and your comfort. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. 